Hey, while the kids are dismissed to go to BCOT Kids, I want to invite all of us to grab our Bibles and turn to the book of Galatians today. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. I want to say a big thanks to Nicole and Jonathan for holding down the fort while my wife and I were celebrating 35 years of wedded bliss. Uh, you know, for 35 years, and that's in a row, by the way, uh, 35, just like clear that up, for 35 years, uh, we have never, ever, ever brought up a divorce, not one time. Uh, murder, yes, but not divorce, and uh, actually, <laughs> actually, she's better, but um, I'm just, I'm fortunate, I'm so blessed to be married to the uh, lady that I'm married to. And, uh, and boy, she deserves a medal to be married to me for that long. And, uh, and uh, we had a wonderful time together. And so thank you so much to Jonathan and Nicole for your ministry last week. It was really great to, uh, great to know that you all were in good hands. Amen? So today I've entitled this message, Independence. In case you didn't know, July 4th is on Tuesday. That is the day that we celebrate our nation's independence. But today I want to talk about our spiritual independence today. Our freedom, if you will, from sin. Uh, Jonathan just sang the song, Hallelujah for the Cross. And uh, thank the Lord uh, for the cross of Jesus Christ that sets us free if we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins, how wonderful it is to have that freedom in Jesus that comes from the shed blood of our Savior. And I thank the Lord for that. And today, I thought it'd be good in this week that we're uh, celebrating our nation's freedom and our nation's independence that we would also take time as followers of Jesus to celebrate the freedom and the independence that we have from that one thing that could keep us from fellowship with Jesus Christ, that, that freedom that we have from sin. And today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be all over the place with scriptures here today, uh, but, uh, and we're going to end our service today by partaking in communion, and uh, we will kind of cap off our celebration of independence by remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross and thanking him uh, for being the source of our freedom. But for now, I want to invite you, if you're able to, if you could stand with me as we read God's word together. We're in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to go just verse 1, but again, keep your Bible near you because we're going to look at quite a few scriptures. If you don't have your Bible, uh, good news for you is I'll have all my scriptures on the screen for you today. And uh, you can follow right along that way. Are we ready? All right, here we go. It says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Can you say Amen. So Jesus, I pray that it's with that thought in mind, as we look at your, your word today in, in a big way, Lord, that you would remind us of the freedom and the independence that we have from the chains of sin. 
And God, those chains may look different for different people in here and those watching us online, but Lord, we know that you are greater than all of it. And Lord, your blood breaks those chains and sets us free. So Lord Jesus, today we celebrate and we walk in the freedom that you have given to each and every one of us as children of God. So I pray that your word would come alive as we take a look at it together, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and we all said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Independence. It's for freedom that you've been set free. Kind of camp out on that thought for a second. The Lord, and and, and I'm going to say this maybe a, a couple more times this morning, the Lord sets us free from sin not only to give you a reservation in heaven when you die. Now, let's not, let's not belittle that, okay? How many of you are thankful that this is not all there is, right? And that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. And so he made this way for us to be free from our sins. But... There is more to your freedom than just your eternal destination. There is a freedom that Jesus wants us to live in while we're still alive here on the earth as we're trying our best to serve him. So if you you know Christ, our mindset is not just that there is a home for us someday, and yes, there is, but... There is also a work that Jesus wants to do for us and through us and in us while we're still alive. And and that's the independence and that's the spiritual freedom that I want to talk about today. So this morning, I think there are some important truths, three of them actually, that I'd like to uncover for you this morning as we take a look at our independence from sin Three important truths. And some of you might say, well, I knew that. I knew that. (laughs) And thank you for being all-knowing. I appreciate that. But I don't know about you, but sometimes I just need to be reminded again of even some of the, quote, basic truths of the Scriptures. You know, that's why why we're offering the following Jesus class, by the way, uh, beginning next Sunday. Because I think it's helpful to us to be strengthened in the foundational elements of our faith. That helps us to build our discipleship and it helps us to build and grow more mature and more mature and more mature. And sometimes it's good for us to be reminded of what this freedom is all about. And so this morning, I'd like to uncover some powerful truths when it comes to our spiritual freedom in Christ. You ready? First of all, number one, I would like to talk about the expense of our freedom. The expense of our freedom. And what concerns me sometimes in the body of Christ is that sometimes we, we cheapen the grace of Jesus Christ. We, we uh, I, would, I would compare it... <laughs> I would compare it to uh, when I was a child. This is a terrible con- comparison, but I'll use it. Uh, I loved G.I. Joe. How many of you remember 
G.I. Joe, right? Now, I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about the little action figures. No. I'm talking about the ones that, you know, you had dating your sister's Barbie doll, right? Okay. <laughs> right? Right? Or, or, or she otherwise. Uh, this, was, this was the, the, the you know, the, and they had the beard and they had the uniform going on that you could change and mine had the kung fu grip i mean it was some of you remember the gi joe with the kung fu grip some of you have no idea what i'm talking about but that's okay it was awesome in the gi joe world i will tell you that right now and not only that mine could talk yeah yeah at least that's what my therapist said no i'm kidding no, honestly, there was a dog tag that he had, and you could pull it, and then he would, like, give some G.I. Joe command. It was, it was like, wow, this is the greatest G.I. Joe ever. And it was, it was, until one day, little Philip decided, you know what would be fun to do with this G.I. Joe? It'd be fun to take it, I, I was just a child, like, you know, 23. No, I'm kidding. I, uh, I was like five or six. I thought, you know what would be cool? Let's throw G.I. Joe as high as I could throw him. And let's watch him crash to the ground. Why did I do that? I don't know. I brought up the therapist earlier. We're still uncovering that. But here I go. I'm throwing this thing up. And boom. <laughs> and I did it again. I go to another part of the backyard, throw him up in the air. I mean, legs flying everywhere, parts of his uniform flying everywhere. Boom. About a whole afternoon of that. And then I pulled his dog tag after all of that. <laughs> he sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher all of a sudden. I thought, oh no, my G- what happened to my G.I. Joe? Well, you mishandled it, goofball. G.I. Joe, with the kung fu grip and the dog tag, did not, uh, was not made for that kind of treatment. It was worth a little bit more than my cheaper toys. And again, this is maybe a terrible look. But sometimes we handle the grace of God so flippantly like it's not worth anything. And, and we throw it up in the air and just let it, and we'll just act any way that we want to. And, 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 and well, you know, I'll just get my get out of hell free card on Sunday, right? And so we, we throw God's grace up in the air and, and we forget the great expense that was undertaken for my freedom. And the body of Christ, forget about the world for a minute, the body of Christ can be terrible about this. Because we'll throw out the thing that, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but we'll act very much unlike one throughout the week. Do you know what you're doing? You're, you're cheapening the grace of God. And you wonder why things aren't working out for you really well. It's because you haven't handled God's grace. That precious, expensive gift that is given to you freely by God. 
You know, the Bible says this. In the book of Hebrews, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. By the way, did you catch that verse? Creator became creation. That alone is a huge expense. But it continues. And free those who all of their lives have held, were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them. Fully human in every way. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. That's, that's the expense. The creator of the universe became like you and me. Pause there. Became like you and me. Not even close to supernatural. Not even close to God-like. Why? To provide the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And we look no further than the cross for the payment of our freedom. John chapter 19, we have this account of Jesus dying on the cross. And it says, later, knowing that everything had now been finished so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, they put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and they lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Many of you have heard this, so forgive me if it's a rerun for you. But that phrase, it is finished, literally translates to a business term called tetelestai in the Greek. And literally, that term means the debt has been paid in full. Your debt, my debt, we were bankrupt in sin. Jesus brought us out of that sinful bankruptcy and declared, I will pay the price, not them. He took the cross that I deserved. He took the punishment that I deserved. He felt the pain that I deserved. That freedom came at an enormous expense. And we dare not forget that or belittle that. Church, I join with what Jonathan just sang. Hallelujah for the cross. Can you say amen? You see, there's always a price for freedom. And that price was paid by Jesus himself. Our nation's freedom, we, we acknowledge that that was paid by the blood of, of those who fought for our freedom in the service. Our spiritual freedom, we acknowledge the one who paid for our freedom through his punishment on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for the expense of our sin. Can you say amen?
That's the first truth I wanted to uncover for you today. Here's the second one. The second truth would be the extent of our freedom. Not just the expense of our freedom, but the extent of our freedom. See, because some of us may not realize that our freedom in Christ, again, goes way beyond even our eternal destination. And again, we thank God for that. But there's more to this. It is for freedom, Galatians just said, that we have been set free. There is more to this than just securing your reservation at 777 Pearly Gates when you die. That's not a real address, by the way. Some of you are thumbing through your Bible. Where's that? But take a look at uh, John chapter 8, starting in verse 32. Jesus says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answer him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Let's say that again. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free indeed. Free indeed. When you ask Jesus to set you free from your sin, you are no longer considered that slave. You don't have that tag on you anymore. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how much baggage you bring to the, to the cross. When Jesus sets you free, you go from a status of slave to son. And there's something different when you're considered his child. You see, the guy that picks up my trash on Thursday morning, I'm not going to invite him over for dinner. Why? I don't know. I'm a little selective when it comes to people that come to my house. He's not a member of the family. But my son, oh, he's welcome. Why? Because he's mine. He's mine. You see, you've lost that slave tag, and God looks at you, and you're, you're his child. And so he takes, get this, he takes ownership in you. And so there is a kind of freedom that we get to experience. You see, we are free, take a look at this, from the penalty of our sin. We're free from the penalty of our sin. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, so we're all in the same boat. Every one of us need that freedom, we need that Savior. Romans 6.23 then tells us, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, this is the beautiful thing. We deserve death. Jesus said, nope. I don't want that penalty for my creation. You're set free from that. And can I remind y'all 
that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. So if you think, if you think that God's holding a couple things against you, even though you have asked for forgiveness from that, I'm going to get to that, but you need to understand that Jesus wipes the whole slate clean. Oh, can you say amen to that? Again, I, I, I've told a teacher, uh, or I've told a story about a teacher in the past who used to drive me nuts with the chalkboard. Yes, millennials, we used to have chalkboards whenever we were in school. And, and when he would erase the chalkboard, it, I don't know if you're wired like me, but if you're going to erase the marker board or the chalkboard, you better get the whole thing. How many understand what I'm talking about? Don't leave like half a letter on the board. Erase the whole thing. Don't leave like a word up here, a letter over here, a squiggly over here. No! Oh, what's wrong with you people that do that? There's something wrong with it. No, you got to wipe that thing clean. You got you to make sure there is no trace of what you wrote before or what you said before or what we had before. You get rid of that completely, entirely. You know what Jesus does when he wipes our, our sin clean? He gets rid of it completely, entirely. He doesn't leave that sin from 10 years ago and that sin from two weeks ago and that sin from 50 years ago. He doesn't leave that on the board. He wipes it all away. Yeah, but other people haven't forgiven me. I don't care what other people have done. We're talking about the Son of God. who Other people, by the way, didn't die for you. It's Jesus Christ who set us free and he saves us indeed so if you think that you're an exception to God's grace you're not if you think you've done so much that God can't forgive you you're wrong he who the sun sets free is free indeed don't let the enemy of your soul convince you otherwise I am free from the penalty of my sin. You know what else I'm free from? I'm free from the shame of my sin. Now, some of you, you don't get this. Boy, others do. See, because you ready for this? Ready? Some of us have no trouble believing that God will forgive us, but we have a lot of problems forgiving ourselves. Man, I should say that again. We have no problem believing that God will forgive us, but we have a terrible problem believing that we can even forgive ourselves because we are actually holding our sin to a greater degree than even Jesus does. See, when the Lord forgave you, he not only took away the, 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 the penalty You don't have to be afraid of going to hell. In fact, you don't have to get saved every single time you walk into church. You can actually walk in the freedom of being uh, right with Jesus Christ on a consistent basis. Now, if you're sinning and sinning and sinning every day, okay, we got to work on your discipleship a little bit. We got to work on how close you are to the Lord a little bit. But hear me today. Hear me today. Jesus not only sets you free and wipes the whole thing clean, but Jesus also wants you to know that he wants to wipe away your shame. And you might be very embarrassed by what you did in the past. And yes, I will admit that there are sometimes some, uh, some consequences to our sins that, that will 
uh, go on for a while, but, but, but the shame of that, Jesus wants to take that away from you. He wants to take the shame. You don't have to, you don't have to walk in shame anymore. I don't know whom that's for. You don't have to walk in shame every single day because of what you did in the past. Because he who the sun sets free, that's part of being free indeed. Look at Romans 10, 11. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. So the Lord is not saying, I forgive you, kinda. There's no kinda when it comes to the grace of God. How many of you are thankful for that? Thank you, Lord. If you believe in him, you'll never be put to shame. And here's Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you know who loves to remind you of your past? It's the enemy of your soul. And again, there's an old saying that says, if the enemy reminds you of your past, you just remind him of his future. Jesus has set you free. And heaven is your home. But you are not designed to walk in shame as a child of God. Can you say amen? Thank you, Lord. I'm going to close with this. We've looked at the expense of our freedom. We've looked at the extent of our freedom. I want to close with the expression of our freedom. So how do we live this out? How do we live out our freedom? And different people will attribute some incorrect values that are associated with a person's freedom in Christ. Well, now that I'm a Christian, I should dress differently. Now that I'm a Christian, I should get a haircut or never cut my hair again. Now that I'm a Christian, I should... And and what happens if we're not careful, our freedom can be lured into a bondage of legalism. And so we can think that a person's sanctification and a person's closeness to God is dependent upon external things. And it just isn't true. I love it when people say, well, you just can't look like the world. <laughs> What's that mean? I mean, I'm looking around the room here today. I see a lot of people that look like the rest of the world. We all going to hell? No. And usually when people throw out that term, well, that's worldly. You know what that means? I don't like that. That's what that means. That music's worldly. No, you just don't like it. And again, if you've got that a certain conviction, great, fine. But if it's not in the Bible, leave me alone. So what should we pursue? Do we pursue these external measures of, of, of uh, our faith in Christ, our freedom in Christ? That, that, is that what we do? No. But I will give you some things that I think we should pursue. 
And because I'm free in Jesus Christ, I think there are some things that, how about this, that the Bible says we should pursue. First of all, we should pursue good works. Now, our world, our, our culture, I'll say it that way, our non-church culture, our non-Jesus-following culture gets this backwards. The culture will say, do enough good works, you'll be right with God. Okay, here's the problem with that. There are not enough good works, the Bible tells us, that can make us right with God. Our righteousness is like filthy rags, the scripture says, compared to the uh, greatness of knowing Jesus Christ. We can't get it done. It's nothing. There's not enough good you can do. And so we got this idea that our good stuff needs to outweigh our bad stuff. And as long as that, you know, then I'll cross my fingers, hope not to die. And then what happens? And, and, and you know what? You know what? Jesus says, you've got it backwards. Get right with me. And then that will lead you to doing good things. One proof? Ephesians chapter 2 says this, starting in verse 8. For it is by grace that you've been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now, a lot of times we like to leave the verse there. But verse 10 is so important, and here's where it fits. You are God's handiwork, ready? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So if you think that your mission is to give your life to Christ and then huddle up in some spiritual corner and just wait to die. That is not the life that God has created for you. He has created, get this, he has created in advance for you to do good works. That means I have a plan from God for me. He has a plan for you. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how long you've been saved. It could be, again, 40 seconds or 40 years. It doesn't matter. You have been created. You are God's workmanship. You are his masterpiece. You are his handiwork to do Good works, and we should pursue that. Now, a lot of us all of a sudden start thinking, "Whoa, man! I guess that means I gotta, I gotta preach in Africa to the pygmies and eat tree bark the rest of my life." And that's not true. It's not true. Your good works could take place Monday morning in the office. <laughs> Your good works could actually take place at home today. We're created to do good works. What's God called you to do? Good works. To total strangers, to the people that you love. The people in the household of Christ, people that don't even know Christ yet. You've been created to do good works. And we should pursue that. Get off the bench. Because the coach is calling you in. Get in the game. Do good works. I should pursue good works. Secondly, I should pursue a love for other people. I should pursue a love for other people. Do you know, how about this? Christians should be the most loving people there are. (laughs) Why are we so grouchy sometimes? 
I got the joy of the Lord. Wow, give me some of that. God has called us to love other people. As followers of Jesus Christ, we should pursue being loving people. Again, look what the scripture says. This is back in Galatians where we started. Galatians says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) Don't use your freedom just to say, Woo, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Woo, yay, I'm not going to do anything. You've been called to love other people. You've you've been called to serve other people. That is a calling that God has on you. Love people. Love people. Love the ones that are hard to love. It's easy to love the people that are easy to love. Love the ones that are hard to love. Maybe love the people that don't love you back. Still love them. Still love them. Love people that disagree with you. You mean, I can love someone who disagrees with me? Yeah. Wow. I can love somebody who voted for a different person than I did? You sure can. We love other people. We love people that might have a lifestyle that is anything but how we live for Christ. But we love them. We don't agree. We don't say this is good. We don't lie to them saying it's okay. That's not love. That's not love. But we love them. We, we will be we'll be a representation of Jesus Christ to these people. Yeah. I got way too many Facebook friends. My wife will tell me. <laughs> but I will tell you that of those people, my social media... Not all of them agree with me, but they know I care about them. They know I love them. I'm concerned for them. I like them. Some of them have been harsh to me. Some of them have come around and said, I'm sorry I was harsh. Why why can they even do that? Because love doesn't burn bridges. Can you love someone today? Love someone tomorrow? Love someone the next day? Love somebody in the drive-thru? Love somebody at the cash register? Let them know you care. I have surprised cashiers when I ask them how their surgery went. It's like, oh, I told you that? Yeah. Been praying for you. They're Lincoln. They're stalker. No, I'm not. I'm not creeping you. I just care. We love other people. Finally, we should pursue a holy life. We should. We should pursue a holy life. The expectation that the Lord has on us is to do our best to be holy. 
Jonathan, if you can help me out. In Romans chapter 6. There's that word free again. It says you've been set free from sin. And you've become slaves to righteousness. For I'm using an example, Paul's writing this. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'll be straight with you. Sometimes I don't get it right. How about you? Sometimes my attitude stinks. Anybody else? Just me. Okay, great. Uh, Some of us, we might be guilty of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. The lure of what Paul was talking about, the stuff that we've been freed from and actually should be ashamed of, sometimes that looks a little bit more alluring. And we give in to that temptation. And we think that Jesus all of a sudden has nothing to do with us anymore, but I'm reminded, I'm just, I wasn't going to share this, but the book of 1 John tells us that when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who pleads our case to the Father. Jesus is very much invested in seeing you get this right. And so when we get it wrong, what do we do? A couple of verses before that verse I just paraphrased. says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, that, that's where independence comes from. It's from receiving the gift that Jesus presents to every single one of us. Today, we're going to serve you communion. The trays will come by and you'll be able to pick up a piece of bread and a cup of juice. We're going to ask everyone to hold on to those while Jonathan sings. And then we'll all take communion together. But I thought today would be a great day as we are reminded of what our freedom from sin is all about. It came at a great expense, and yet it covers a great extent. And it enables us to have an amazing expression of what that freedom looks like. Today, I want to challenge you to say, Lord, help me to walk in the freedom that I have in you. So Jesus, we're about to participate in communion. And Lord, as we look back at your 
broken body and your shed blood. We also look forward to the life of freedom and independence from sin that each and every one of us can live. All of it because of the price you paid for us in Calvary. So Lord, in these next few moments, speak to us and remind us of your greatness and your goodness. In your name, Jesus. Amen. We're going to serve you communion and then we'll take it together. Has everyone been served who desires to be served today? The Bible says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks for it and he broke it and he handed it to his disciples saying, 
This bread is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat it, you do so in remembrance of me. So let's take the bread together. Afterwards, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And as often as you drink it, you do so in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together now. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we have in you. We thank you for the freedom that we have in you, Lord Jesus. Not only from sin, but for life, God, you've given us free. It is for freedom that we have been set free. So, Lord, we are no longer under the bondage of guilt and shame. We are no longer under the bondage of other people's opinions, but Lord God, we are released from that. We're set free from that. So God, my prayer for our church family is that we would pursue good works. God, that we would pursue a holy life. That the life we are living would be worth your dying, Jesus. And God, may we pursue loving other people. God, may it get to the point where it's second nature for us to love others, no matter what. Hallelujah. Could we stand, all of us? Thank you, Lord. Now, I know we have a time of fellowship uh, in the lobby, and all of you, please, Uh, please know you're invited to that, okay? But right now, uh, if if you feel the need to pray and talk to the Lord, I want to invite you to feel free to do that either at your seat or maybe you want to come to this front area and kneel and pray. However is easiest for you to pray, we want to invite you to do so. And when God releases you this morning, let's enjoy each other's company. And, uh, and encourage one another. Let, let's start that loving other people out in the lobby. Amen. So Jesus, walk with us. Not only in this building, but outside this building. Walk with us when we go to work tomorrow. Walk with us when we find ourselves at school. Find, uh, when we find ourselves, Lord God, do whatever it is you've called us. God, our planned agendas and the surprises that come around, Lord, help us to know we can walk in freedom. So God, go before your people. And Lord, help us to live in the freedom that you have brought for each and every one of us. And God, I'll thank you. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, and we all said amen. God bless you. We love you so much. Walk in that freedom. In the name of Jesus.